Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, September 30th, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are at page... Wait a minute. Sorry about that. 87, paragraph 2, beginning with If Circumstances Warrant. Today's readers are... Okay. Uh, Ken reading the 12 steps, Rose reading the 12 traditions, and reading the text, Julie R., Marita, Judy B., and Sylvia. The reference number for yesterday, which is Sunday, September 29th, is 5224. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ken to read the 12 steps. From Virginia. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Rebecca, press star one. I'm sorry, can you hear me? We can hear you now. Oh, thank you. Okay. I would I will thank you, Ken. I will now ask Rose to read the twelve traditions. Thank you. This is Rose. The twelve traditions. One. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse Can you hear me? I can hear you, Rose. Okay, thanks. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Rose. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. 
There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 87, beginning with the paragraph that starts, If Circumstances Warrant. I will ask Judy, Julie R. to begin the reading. Hi, I'm Julie, a recovered compulsive overeater in California. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious bodies, I mean, sorry, religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. Again, I'm Julia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And this is another paragraph that I never really, you know, looked at. But this time around in um, my recovery, it, it, I see it's not talking about religion. I would always turn off when I would hear that, that word. Um, one of the main things where it says um, we would ask a fam- wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. So it's already letting us know that, well, we are going to be doing morning meditation. And we learned that in the prior paragraphs that we talked about what we would do when we first would awake and what we would do when we would retire at night. It's just asking maybe your spouse or good friend or someone would like to um, also enjoy that. The second thing, it talks about selecting and memorizing a few set prayers, which emphasize the principles. And the principles that I'm going to be looking at are my actions and my thoughts that I had, what corrective measures I'm going to put in place. You know, it's all about me seeking God's will. Um, And that's what the principles are all about. And I need to go into my quiet meditation so that I can get close with God. And my God is not the God of my childhood. Um, But it's something that I learned out of a childhood, that there was something that was more powerful than me. And um, this is for anybody. If you're not religious, if you're spiritual, and that's what I like to say that I am, but I can see where religious people were right because what do they do? It's a ritual. They believe in something. They meditate. Uh, they make restitution when their harms are done. So those are the things that I take away from this paragraph that um, it's all about being close with my higher power. It's able to turn my life over. It's able to have that com- com- communion with it, that time So um, I'm just very glad to be here on a Monday morning, and uh, I will pass. Thank you, Julia. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Sylvia. 
Hi, Sylvia. Go right ahead. Good morning. Um, this is Sylvia, a recovered compulsive overeater from upstate New York with a head cold, so I sound a little funny this morning. <clears throat> but one of the things that I like about this paragraph, and I thought that this was so inspired, inspired by God, is that this is a paragraph of inclusion where um, where we have not had a spiritual path, we have not been living by spiritual principles, but it's not. But it's where we don't have to make a choice. Where we, you know, if we came in Catholic or we came in Jewish or we had, or we had given up our religion when when uh, when we were at, at any point in our life, it's saying that we don't have to have contempt for religion. That these that these uh, that these religious people can find the same faith and can offer us help. That it is not a choice. It uh, it, it is we don't have to choose the spiritual path of uh, the Big Book and AA or the spiritual path of our religion. We have to find a spiritual path, a God directed path, and we're going to be able to find that in a lot of places. And so. When I came in, I, I was raised, you know, now I understand more about my childhood, you know, as opposed to when I was going through it. And I realize now that we, I was raised in an intellectual family. And my father absolutely had disdain for religion and has, had given up his faith. And I was not raised with it. And I do remember wishing that I had the peace and the serenity that some of the people had when, because they could believe in God and I couldn't. And um, here is the paragraph where it, it pulls it together and says, no, if whatever prayers, whatever path is in your spiritual, uh, uh, in your religious program that has to do with the principles of this program, use them. Be quick to see where religious people are right and not contempt prior to investigation or not contempt uh, anywhere, just be God-driven. So I really like this. This is a very inclusive uh, paragraph, and this is what makes us work. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Maggie? Hi, Maggie. Hi, this is Maggie, and what I'm seeing here is a change of attitude that we're not coming from a place of criticism, but we're coming from a place of acceptance. And um, and if we're focusing on where religious people are right, we're um, not thinking about the negative. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Maggie. Um, this is Rebecca from Connecticut, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And, um, you know, um, my daughter asked me to bring her to church yesterday. <laughs> and um, since my kids uh, went through the religious education program, we don't go hardly at all anymore. But there we were, back with our fellowship. And it was really a beautiful thing. And um I just appreciate that God was moving through her to get me to go. And um because of the words in this paragraph, um I've I'm 
open to it. I'm open to um, going there. And I'm also open to other people I know who are religious and, and people I know who are actually clergy, whereas before I think I was um, more close-minded about them and their beliefs. And now I I feel that by doing this work, I just have a more open mind to um, everything, including religion. And for me, uh, I, select, I use the selected prayers that I've picked out of the big book for my morning meditation, the third step prayer and the seventh step prayer. And with that, I'll pass. Um, would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Laura? Go ahead, Laura. Good morning, everyone. This is Laura, recovered in South Jersey. I just wanted to say really quickly, I, I noticed that in this paragraph, the word also is listed twice. And that just reminds me that the first 100, when they wrote this book, they didn't claim that this was the only thing that we should be doing. Of course, follow the principles in this book in order to get recovery. That's what I found. But also, if we have other methods that seem to work or seem to enhance our program of recovery, uh, seems to enhance the 12 steps, the way that they work, sure, go ahead and do it. And be quick to see where religious people are right. Be quick to see where people of faith might have something that I didn't have. And that's what I... That's what I've been looking at this time around in program. For the past nine years, I've been seeing that people of faith are people that are selfless. They're people that, that turn their wills and their lives over to their higher power. And isn't that what I'm told to do in, this, in the first 164 pages? To get out of self, to turn my will and my life over to a higher power, something greater than myself, and to get rid of that selfishness, that self-seeking, and those, all those underlying motives that I have when I'm in my disease. Just a great reminder, and I'm just so blessed and grateful to be here today. Have a wonderful day. I pass. Thank you, Laura. Um, why don't we go with the next paragraph? Marita, could you read that? Good morning, Vision for You. This is Marita, a compulsive overeater in, in Virginia. As we go through our as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. I love this paragraph. Um, I guess there's two parts that particularly uh, make me want to comment on it. Um, The very first sentence where it says, we go through the day and pause when agitated or doubtful. That is such incredibly good instructions. You know, the idea that instead of reacting and flying off the handle and, um, you know, feeling your anger and pushing it back with, with anger too, that I can take a breath, just take a deep inhale and remember that I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you might be reacting to. 
It might have nothing to do with me, and um, it's none of my business. God is running this show, not me. And I don't know what you might be bringing to me that I really need to be watching for and listening to and what God might be showing me by you showing up in my life at this moment in this agitated state. And how can I be helpful to you instead of just, um, you know, um, taking up the volley and, and, and hitting that anger birdie back over the net, you know, like we used to do as kids playing badminton. So the, uh, the instructions to pause when agitated or doubtful is wonderful and, um, and, and valuable, and I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm able to incorporate it more in my life today. And then the other, the other thing that I love so much about this paragraph is it's talking about how much more efficient we become, how much more energy we have, because we're not trying to... Um, for we, are no, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. You know, I used to be pushing against that brick wall, thinking that I wanted it moved another two inches over because it just wasn't exactly in the right spot for my, for, for, for my purposes. And now I can be accepting of how things are and open to what changes I can make, what's in my control, which is really just my behavior and my reaction to the world, my response to the world as opposed to reaction. And, uh, and it's true. I get a lot of energy back when I put down trying to manage everything. When I stop fighting the way things are and just witness it, accept it, move through it to the best of my ability, try to bring love and service, you know, try to try to do God's will, not mine. Thanks so much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Marita. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Eileen, this is Kim. Paula. I heard Eileen, Kim, and Paula, and we'll go in that order. Eileen first. Thanks. Um this is Eileen from Massachusetts, food addict. I'm so grateful for this meeting. I listen to it every day. It's awesome. But I could really identify with this paragraph about um, asking for the right thought or action uh, and constantly reminding myself that I am no longer running the show and humbly saying to myself each day or each moment, thy will be done. I constantly have to remind myself of that because I constantly want to get my thinking or my uh, way um, that I would handle things. And I have to remind myself, I mean, you're not in control. God is. Your higher power is. He's the one who's going to work things out the best, not you. Um, and and I could totally identify of being much less um, uh, in danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. Um, I I still get it, get uh, experience these feelings, but I have to constantly remind myself it's not. Your will, I mean, it's God's will. Um, 
and uh, I, I could just really, really identify with this paragraph, and I just wanted to share about it. And uh, thanks for listening. I'll pass. Thank you, Eileen. Kim? Thank you, Rebecca. You have great ears, Rebecca. I don't know how you figured out who we all were. <laughs> um, good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And uh, I really use this paragraph as a meditation because this is where I try to live every day. And I love visuals, so I think to myself, you know, I don't know if anyone has ever water skied. I've only done it a couple times. But when you're directly behind the boat, it's smooth sailing. Smooth sailing. It's when you go off to the wake of the water on the left or the right where things get choppy and it gets, gets difficult. So this is the paragraph I look at that gets me behind the boat. And who's in the boat? God. As long as I stay behind God's will, as long as I'm in line with God's will, I am efficient and I do not tire so easily. When I go off to those wakes, that's when I'm in danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, and self-decision. And you notice in here, it says that we ask for the right thought or action. It doesn't say anything ask for the right feeling. You know, I so much ask God for the right feeling. I want it to feel good. That's why I ate. I ate to regulate my emotions. And I never got down to causes and conditions, which is what these steps have allowed us to do. I have to constantly remind myself I'm no longer running the show. Why is that? Because I'm constantly trying to run the show. I'm constantly in collision with my fellows when I'm not doing this. I am stepping on the toes of my fellows and they're retaliating. And when that happens, I become inefficient and I become exhausted. So this is my barometer. This is my barometer. If I am feeling inefficient and if I am exhausted, I am being reminded that I'm relying on Kim's will and not God's will. You know, I remember in high school, every night I would go to bed and I would pray to God to make me a size 14. Please, God, make me a size 14 because I didn't want to shop in Lane Bryant. I didn't want to shop in the big girl section anymore. But I never asked God, God, help me to stop eating. I wanted the results I don't want to do the work. So what this is telling me is I have to do the work. I'm going to pause when agitated. I'm going to ask for the right thought or action instead of trying to control the results. And I'm going to stay behind that boat, and I'm going to ask God what his will is today. And if I'm in God's will, I have to tell you I am happy, I am joyous, and I am free. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Paula, you're next. Well, thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, I'm looking at that first line. seems like a lot of us are. As we go through the day, and there it is, we pause. You know, Mark Twain said, a rightly timed pause. I didn't even know how long to pause. Too short, too long. Even here, I had to consult God. Even here. And I do. Because it says we are no longer running the show, then who is? Well, it says very clearly on 62 on the bottom who the director is, who the principal is, who the father is, who the employer is. 
That's how many I needed. You got the idea, Paula? Is it clear now? You know, Kim used a beautiful example on on the boat, and I loved it. I also have one, so I'm going to come along here. When the boat is on automatic pilot, do you know what it's like? It goes in the direction. Honey, you can get a rope and you can tie that, that wheel and you can tie it against something, but you, as soon as you release that guy, it'll go back. You have to go to the creator, the one who... It's Miriam. Miriam. Miriam, Paula's speaking right now. I'll catch you next. Excuse us, Paula. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I must say I've done the same. But that's what I found as far as with the boat. I had to go to the creator of, I have had to have the automatic pilot changed. Because, see, I did everything automatic. Now it was God-controlled. Now it was God-controlled. And then it says, why? Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Not mine anymore. Then it says, I'm going to just skip to that line, we become much more efficient. Oh, we do not tire so easily. Oh, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. You want to talk about freedom, honey? Both of our boats are going to go well. So thank you very much for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank this you, Sylvie. Um, could you repeat your name? Zeldi in New Jersey. Zel- Zeldi. Um, Miriam, did you want to share? Okay, Zeldi, why don't you go ahead and maybe Miriam will come on after. Okay, thank you so much. Um, I, I couldn't get over this paragraph. This is exactly what I needed to hear this morning. And I'm so grateful that, that this meeting is in the morning because um, I really struggle with, you know, letting go and then taking my will back. It's like a tug of war with me. And um, it's wonderful that I can do this meeting before um I greet my kids in the morning. This way, I have a lesson right in front of me. You know, it's it's thy will, not mine. And I I strive and I yearn for that peace and serenity. You know, and my my kids are like, you know, preteen and teenagers, and then I have a little one as well. And I need to respect their stage in life, and to know that they're. You know, they're not they're not young children anymore. And they have their own minds and their own and and um they have a right to think for themselves and sometimes I shouldn't intervene. Not everything has to go my way, the way I want them to think, the way I want them to feel, the way I want them to do something. I need to compromise and I need to see that they're they're little guys as well. They're they're people. I mean they're 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 becoming big people, and um, I need to let go and stand back and pause and, when agitated or doubtful, ask myself why, what the right thought or action is in that moment for my children. They're not two. They're not three. One of them is, but I'm talking about the 12- and 14-year-olds. 
if I want them to develop a spiritual, healthy people that can think for themselves and choose for themselves a healthy way. I need to choose a healthy way of thinking and taking action and respect um, their independence and their uh, choices to a certain degree. Um, you know, if it's like how important is it? How important is it for me to have everything go my way, the way I want? They want to do something a certain way. But the results are, I mean, if it's not going to, how important is it? What's really important is that there's peace and harmony and that we do God's will. At the end of the day, to make God happy, and I ask myself if, if, if my ego wasn't involved, I need to really be honest. I need to really be honest when I pause and ask myself, why am I agitated? Why am I doubtful? Is it doing God's? Am I doing God's will, or is it just coming from a place of fear? And um, if it's coming from a place of fear, that's what I want to control. If I stand back and I say, God, you're in control. My children have their own higher power. I have to have confidence in them and faith in God that they're, they're, they're okay. I don't have to judge and I don't have to steer that boat for them. Not at all times. If it's coming from a place of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decision. I don't want to, I don't want to be in a, a place where where I'm coming from, a place where where there were so many emotions that were impulsive. I'm, I'm starting a life anew, and with this program, I feel like God is really guiding me and talking to me. I just need to grab onto that life book. Um. So thank you so much for listening, and I'm really grateful to be here and to be able to share. Thank you, Zeldy. Would anyone else like to share? Is, uh, it's, is it's Mary. Leia. It's Mary. This is Karen. Uh-oh. I heard Miriam and Leah, and then we'll Sally. see who's after. Let's just go Miriam, Leah for now, okay? Okay. Thank you very much. I'm sorry for before I had a problem to um, unmute the phone. Uh, this is Miriam, uh, compulsive overeater, uh, calling from Israel, and grateful to be here, living in the solution the best I can, uh, one day at a time. Oh, I love all these paragraphs. I love this uh, step 11. I believe it gives me so much. It's really a lot of suggestion of what to do. You know, like waking up in the morning and before going to bed. You know. And then, then here is saying what to do every moment through the day. Um, you know, uh, I do remember that I had a sponsor that used to say to me, "Invite your higher power to everything in your life." And at that time, I wasn't sure what she what she meant. But everything now is becoming like all the pieces of the puzzles are they really, really coming together. And what the paragraph says here, as we go through the day, we pause. That means, you know, for me, I usually take a few deep breaths. And by having those 
few deep breaths, I, I do remind myself that, you know, who is running the world? Who is, who is giving me that breathing when agitated or doubtful? And ask, it means, uh, we are, when we say the word ask, it means we, we, it's a prayer. So it means I ask God for the right sort of action. We constantly remind ourselves who is, we are no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. This is really ama an amazing prayer that uh, really I need to use it even more during the day um, to remind myself who is really running the show. Because the more the more I'm in program and the more I, you know, what they call recover, I, I realize how powerless about my life I am and how much I need to depend and 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 trust and rely in, in, in God. So, you know, this word thy will not mine be done, it's like uh, it should be for me like a real mantra to go through the day. And I'm just so grateful to get all this um, all this help, you know, to tell me how what to do with my life on an every moment basis is even a moment to moment basis because things happen in life and and we just need to call him all the time that's my experience thank you so much and with that i pass thank you miriam leah you're next thank you so much rebecca good morning everybody my name's leah i'm a recovered compulsive overeater a very important paragraph uh for me that's for sure um, it says here, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. You know, I like to think of the program of recovery as the art of remaining undisturbed. You know, it's kind of like a game I play with myself. Uh, certainly, um, you know, the monkey is off my back, but the circus is still in town, meaning we are way, way uh, far away from talking about our substance, you know, talking about alcohol hasn't been mentioned um, in quite a while here. The real, the real greater aspect of my disease, of course, resides in my mind. You know, my actions and the words that I speak and the way that I um, express myself in this house um, are determined by my thinking. And I alone am responsible for my thinking. So this opportunity to pause, you know, we've all heard of, you know, uh, pray, pause, and use spiritual energy. You know, this prayer, this, this, this opportunity that I take when agitated or doubtful allows me to take my thinking to a higher level. I mean, most normal thoughts that come to us throughout the day, especially if we have a busy household or work life, etc., those thoughts cause tremendous anxiety and, and lack of peace of mind. So this, this pause allows me to raise my thinking to a higher level. That's the point of this whole program of recovery. My, my whole reality only exists in my mind. So the point of the program, particularly right here where we're at, where we're studying, the point of all this is to think, take my thinking to a different level. I don't want to exist in my emotional landscape. 
know, it says we constantly remind ourselves we're no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. I always have a choice of which master I want to serve. You know, initially it was the the master of, uh, you know, addiction. You know, food was my master versus God. Now, really, the choice is between, uh, you know, serving the master of God or serving self-will run riot. You know, which one do I want it to be? If I want to allow myself to be elevated uh, to a higher level, then I need to pause. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. When I take those seconds or those moments to pause, It enables me to clear my mind, to clear my mental and spiritual vision so I can let God's truth make its full and proper impact on my heart so that when I speak to a child or when I have a conversation with my husband or when I deal with the uh, challenging neighbor, the words out of my mouth are from a code of love and tolerance. It says we are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. I cannot rely on my emotions for stability, given how much emotions fluctuate. If I relied on my emotions, I would be on a roller coaster emotionally every given day, because at 10 o'clock I might be as high as a kite, and by 3 o'clock I might be (laughs) wanting to jump off a cliff. You know, I can't be dictated by those emotions or I'm doomed and everyone around me is doomed. I'm not speaking against emotions. I'm just speaking against the big book. is speaking against allowing them to dominate me, to control me. What is here to dominate me, to control me? What am I here to serve? I'm here to serve the principles, to serve God, to serve something above myself higher than myself, Um, and that is the ticket. This relationship with God is the greatest asset that I have. My relationship with God is my most important asset because having a relationship with God um, allows me to uh, drink from a, uh, a resource, from a well that is unlimited, unlimited. I can't rely on my own judgment. The the same judgment that I exercised all my life, made decisions wherever I wanted to make decisions, did what I ever wanted to do, that was unmanageability, whether I was abstinent or not. But if I allow myself to be governed by this program of recovery, then I learn how to embrace life's challenges and life's ups and downs and transform them into positive opportunities and allow myself to perhaps grow along the lines that God wishes me to grow. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Now, who would like to speak next on this? This is Sharon. This is Sally. I heard Sharon and Sally. Sylvia. And Sylvia. So, Sharon, you could go ahead. Sharon? Thank you, Rebecca. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, Thank you for everyone on the line. Thank you for your service. And thank you for all the comments I've heard this morning. 
Um, I just wanted to kind of go over again. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated. And I've heard so often on this line, the privilege to pause. And that is a God-given gift, the privilege to pause. And, <clears throat> and then uh, when doubtful or agitated, we ask God for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly, as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. And I love that next sentence. It works. It really does. And I'm so I'm just so grateful because, um, you know, I came into the first program I came into, and that was back in 1975, was Emotions Anonymous. And um, I had a life where I allowed my emotions to rule over me and consume me and those around me. And so I just see so clearly um, how I, too, you know, within the course of the day or even a couple hours, I could be just as high as I could go, and then I'd be lower than a snake's belly. And so this is teaching me what I need to learn today by God's grace, that um, the thoughts that go on in my mind are what I need to give to God and my life so that he can uh, teach me how to live a life that is um, in balance and in harmony with his will. Otherwise, I am a slave to these um, things that are here, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, and making foolish decisions. So I am so grateful to be here today, and I thank all of you for all of what you have shared. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Sally, you're next. Sally. Thank you, Rebecca. Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. I just want to add to... Um, what we're reading here, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask. So we see two actions here. We pause and we ask for the right thought or actions. And it goes on to say we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. And so here we are. We're continuing in step 11, the bottom of 85, it tells us. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. And throughout this, these next few paragraphs, in each paragraph, we see the words, we ask God's, God's forgiveness at the bottom of the uh, first full paragraph on 86. We see it again three lines down in the next paragraph. We ask God to direct our thinking. We see it again three lines down in the next paragraph on the bottom of 86. Here we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or a decision. And it continues on in each paragraph talking about this. At the top of 87, the first full paragraph, it says, we usually conclude the period of meditation. And so when we get down here to the bottom of 87, I see that I'm being instructed in, in meditation. As we go through the day, we pause. And so apparently we're not just praying and meditating at the beginning or the end of our day, but we are throughout our day practicing this principle 
of not just asking, which is prayer, but we're also practicing, as was so beautifully put, a rightly timed pause in the midst of our day. As we go through the day, in the midst of our day, we pause. And so we're actually being educated here that we will have periods of slowing down, meditating, and when agitated or doubtful, we'll take the action of asking for the right thought or action. And and this is very different for me because I was the self-reliant one who was running through life just doing it my my way and um, never slowing down and stopping to uh, pause or to ask, never considering that perhaps I needed my higher power and uh, I needed to ask. I'm reminded that um, in Bill's story on the bottom of 13, we're also instructed in the same way we see tucked into the story of Bill's story, also a step 11, the same type of thought. It says, I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt. And here it is again, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself except as my request bore on my usefulness to others. And so here again, sitting quietly, which would be a pause, when in doubt, and then asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems. It's all new behavior to me to practice this this action of pausing and to practice the action of not assuming that I know, not relying on self-reliance as we're told on page 68, but actually turning, turning to my higher power and asking. That's step 11. Thanks for letting me share. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Sylvia, you're next. Hi, this is Sylvia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Upstate New York. Can you hear me okay? Yes, Sylvia. Oh. Go right ahead. Um, I love the shares. I love this paragraph. And um, just a couple more thoughts to add on to what everybody said is that, you know, I've I've worked with people uh, early on in the program and, and, you know, I've heard them say, I just don't know how to pause. You know, I can't. And, And that is exactly true. When we're starting out, we're learning that pause as we're working the steps and we're getting that connection to God. We, it's not like we, all of a sudden know how to pause. We've had a lifetime of not pausing. And so as we are working the steps and as we are calming our mind and as we are connecting to God, that is when we are also learning the pause. And the pause is such a wonderful thing. And, you know, I heard a couple of things uh, over at various meetings over the years. And uh, one thing that was really amazing, it was such a simple thing that I heard, is I heard a woman say one time that her epiphany, which became mine, is no one put a gun to her head to make her feel what she was feeling. She had a choice. And I was like, well, that's true. I I didn't have to be a victim to what I was feeling. And that's what the pause was about, that I could stop and I could, you know, pause and I could calmly, even if I wasn't calmly, I could wait for God's new thought to come. And 
because, you know, I didn't know about selfish and self-seeking and I, I didn't know about dishonesty and self-pity. I didn't know, I didn't know about those things. I, maybe about other people, but not certainly not about myself. And so um, the way that the pause worked for me is like always. And uh, yesterday, what it feels like a recovery for the pause on that all day kind of thing is I, I got a uh, email yesterday from a colleague of mine who didn't think and flamed me in an email. And before recovery and before my pause, I would have, boy, flamed her back, righteous indignation. And <clears throat> what it feels like in recovery is I read it and I thought, boy, she didn't think before she wrote that because she didn't think through all the ramifications and she didn't think through our relationship. Yeah, she just went from emotion, righteous indignation about something I had done, which was maybe egregious, maybe it wasn't, didn't matter. And so what it felt like now with the pause is I can remember still that I absolutely would have flamed her back with my righteous indignation and we would have had a problem in our relationship for weeks, months, years. But now what I have is empathy for her that she didn't, you know, she didn't think she, she acted and I actually started to giggle, to laugh. And my response, because I paused was, gee, I'm really sorry if that was a problem for you and I won't do that again and moved right on. And, and it felt fine with me. And I still, you know, I, I have to be amused that at me that I can pause and go, Oh, I totally get how I used to be. And I don't have to be that, that way anymore. And when I, when I would do those things, whether I'm responding, not pausing, acting out, flaming, then I would feel bad about myself. Then I would feel shame. Then I would feel embarrassment. I would feel a lot of things out of touch with myself, didn't know I was feeling it. And eventually that would make me eat. So the pause is my, you know, it's so, such, such, such an important part of my recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. We're going to wrap up this chapter now. So could Judy B. finish up for us and read the rest? Good morning, Rebecca. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. It works. It really does. We alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. But this is not all. There is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. Uh, And this is certainly a a great way to to end our talk on uh, on step 11. It's just um, when they say it works, it really does. I've been thinking about, well, what works? Well, this program works. The 12 steps work. And definitely the beginning of uh, the paragraph before this, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the next right thought or action. That really works. I mean, I have found that it's just made such a difference in my life. For so long, I, um, I, for many, many weeks, even months, um, I, I I just was in a state where um, that state of neutrality, you know, that, that state of, 
of serenity where I didn't become agitated. I didn't become agitated all the time like I used to in my past. And now lately with um, some health problems, I can feel that agitation coming up. And it's, it's almost like scared me. You know, it's like, whoa, I, I'm not sure how to deal with this. And yet this paragraph tells us totally, completely, doubtful part i'm not i'm not experiencing right now but it's the agitation the agitation that i um i cannot do what i would like to do i cannot um give as much service as i would like i i, I feel like i am not there for the people that i want to be there for and yet god has shown me over and over when i pause that all i have to do is trust him and that he will give me everything that I need for the moment. And there is no more. You know, he is in charge. You know, thy will be done. He will show us what to do. And as long as I continue to pause and ask him for help and to follow his directions, you know, there can be no fear because he's in charge and it will all work out. And I am so very grateful to know that. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy B. Well, we're almost to the close of the hour. We're actually going a few minutes over so that we could finish up this chapter. Would someone else like to share on what we've read, uh, what Judy read before we close? This is Katie. I heard someone actually before Katie, but I didn't catch the name. Leah. Oh, it's Leah. Leah, and then if there's time, Katie, if not, we may have to wait till the after meeting. Go ahead, Leah. Okay, thank you. Just a couple remarks here. We alcoholics are undisciplined. I like to say, you know, either the pain of discipline or pain of regret. You know, what is my choice? Uh, We're wrapping up. Chapter 6 here into action. I've already implemented steps 4 through 9 by this point. I'm living in 10, introduced and living in 11, uh, about to carry the message. You know, by going through steps 4 through 9 and the steps removing those blocks, I've opened up this channel. Now I have to continue to make conscious contact, and I do that through prayer and meditation, and I do that through disciplining myself through this program of recovery. We let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. It is simple. We tend to complicate it, but it is simple, and it has allowed the maturity that I so desperately needed, the stability that I so desperately needed, and the ability to be well-grounded you know, during life's ups and downs, um, you know, because I can be governed by these principles. Um, you know, <laughs> the purpose of this program is to, you know, allow me to come to that realization that my whole life is completely dependent on His will and that I can only survive through His mercy. And I can get in that right spot of alignment by implementing this program of recovery. This program of recovery elevates and transforms me so that I'm not no so that I'm no longer the same per- person I was before. 
whether uh, that means at the beginning of my recovery process or whether that means, uh, you know, at the start of my day, the program of recovery transforms me and elevates me to something that God perhaps would like me to be. And with that, I pass it to Katie. Thank you. Okay. Leah's giving Katie permission to go after the top of the hour. So go ahead, Katie, and then we'll we'll close. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes, Katie. Okay, this is Katie, recovered compulsive reader in Virginia, and um, I just love this line. It works. It really does. You know, we are. I get calls all the time of people saying, you know, how how do you learn to pause? As we've discussed, you know, okay, so we pause, but then we can't just stay on pause for the rest of our lives. So we have to learn what action to take, and not to have it be that bad action that we did in the past. So, you know, I'm always amazed when when people say it's not working, and I ask them, did you, you know, write about it? Did you talk to your sponsor? Did you, you know, reach out to a newcomer? Did you read the literature? Did you get on your knees and pray? Did you, um, you know, where are you in your recovery? Where are you on working the steps? Because this is not an overnight matter. This is not something one and done, you know. This is not something we just do. And so uh, one time and then we're done and then we move on to something else. This is a daily um, maintenance. And, you know, we need the discipline and the structure of this new way of life. Um so I just uh, look forward to us moving on to the next paragraph or next chapter, and I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sylvia... Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is Sylvia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.